Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome, marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential goes behind the scenes to look at all the decisions, politics, and choices that go with one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite, and that is whoever is running marketing. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, Farmers Insurance, Ancestry.com, and eBay, and I'm here today with my guest, John Osborne, who is universally known as Ozzy. Now, Ozzy has been... In the advertising industry and media, both advertising and media, his whole career, and he was the CEO of OMD USA, BBDO New York, so many like just big letters in Ozzy's resume. And currently he is serving as the director of AdNet Zero, which is a nonprofit working to promote sustainable business practices. We worked together on Ancestry Business, full disclosure, for a few years. Welcome, Ozzy. Thank you, Mike Linton. It's great to be here. It's good to see you all dressed up in your jacket and everything. That is, that is fantastic. Now, today's topic is what your agency really wants to tell you but won't. And here's the setup. Ozzy has worked with literally hundreds of companies and has an awful lot of relationships with CMOs and CEOs you know, all over the place. And he's a witness to the fact that the CMO job turns over pretty often. And he's watched CMOs make decisions on the most scrutinized stuff in the company, which is usually the marketing programs, which get out to consumers. Um, so first question, Ozzy, I'm sure you look at all the CMOs and CEO relationships you have and segment them or classify them in a certain way. Tell tell me how how will our listeners think about how you would segment the marketplace of all those CMOs and CEOs out there that you have to work with? Oh my gosh, what a great question. Well, look, first off, thanks for having me. Secondly, this topic has all the hallmarks of something that could get me into a lot of trouble really, really fast. But it's most excellent. I will try to answer all of your questions as truthfully and as transparently as I possibly can. But look, so much has has changed since the the time that I got into this crazy industry back all the way back in 1988, if you can believe it, um, when I came out of university and I decided to jump headfirst into this industry known as advertising, still known as advertising, um, but a lot has changed. And one of the biggest changes is probably best summarized by, I remember vividly one of the lead creative person's offices that I walked into when I was still wet behind the ears. And in this instance, this guy had a big poster on the wall and it was like, it was a quote from somebody else. He just said, make great ads. My gosh, if it was only just that simple these days, everything has become so specialized and so complex that I think at the end of the day, the clients that I feel most close with or have felt most close with, the most affinity with, the most loyalty towards, that I look back on most fondly are those clients that really embraced the currency of the relationship. They really valued the importance of the relationship and they provided honest feedback. There are so many 
I guess, experiences that I've had where clients will tell you what they think you want to hear, but it's not necessarily how they feel. And that's not helpful at all. Um, but those clients that um, lead through, I think, aspiration, that lead through, um, you know, positivity versus fear are those, you know, those clients that will embrace you and lock arms with you and allow you the freedom to even fail are those clients that I remember through my career most fondly. And they're frankly the clients where we did the best work. And then there are clients that choose to lead through fear. They're on the other end of the continuum. And then there are a bunch of clients kind of in the middle. And, and what's, what, is, Ozzy, what, is, what does leading through fear look like? I mean, is that where you're devoured by measures or what is it? What is, no, it's just what like, is you know, if you don't do this by tomorrow, you're going to, you, you guys could be fired. Or I have, you know, 15 agencies and people waiting in the wings to do this. If you can't do this by, you know, 0800 hours the following day. And, you know, like any relationship, it's definitely a give and take and clients are clients. And at the end of the day, the relationship begins and ends with them. But the, the best client relationships are tr are less transactional. They're less based on fear. They're much more, I think, shared in the transformation journey. They're more transformational than transactional, I think is and, probably the best way to sum it up. Hey, Ozzy, can, can you tell almost immediately what how the client's going to be when you meet with them? You know, you can tell a lot in the early days. And even in those experiences that I look back on and I'm like, you know, there were signs in those early days. I should have just done X, Y, and Z, but we let it drift and we let it go on. It was really painful on the team. And ultimately it cost, um, you know, frankly, you know, it, it led to people leaving the agency or leaving the account, which is really not a situation you want to be in. And that's really at the end of the day, you know, what you want to avoid because what clients need to realize is you want the best minds, the best talents in the building, in the industry, working on your business. You don't want a reputation where people are like, oh yeah, well that's great, but just make sure you don't wind up working on that piece of business because you know they 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 work you to the bone. There's no appreciation. They don't believe in the same thing. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot yeah. of power in purpose these days in the relationship as well. So a lot of young people in particular are asking hard questions of a client in, in their relationship like, what do you really stand for? What are the values you stand for? That's much more part of the currency and for good reasons, by the way, today than I think ever before that I can remember. Got it. So you've watched, I'm sure, a lot of CMOs or CROs or whatever you want to say transition in and out. What happens at the agency when a new CMO gets announced and how do you even think about what's going to happen next? Well, you know, the big the big thing is, we, you know, relationships are still important, but like, you know, being two degrees of separation from someone doesn't get you anything, not even a free lunch anymore. You really have to be on the front foot. you got to really put proof positive on the table. To me, um, you know, I think it's definitely getting together and understanding what success looks like. You know, sometimes the obvious questions, the ones that are right here are those that you forget to ask, but making sure that you've got a shared sense of mission first and foremost, and then optimally, having shared skin of the game. Like, you know, our bonus metrics or our incentives should be identical to the incentives that the client, frankly, works within as well. So just getting a level set of what, you know, the mission is and what success looks like is probably the right starting point. And then um, just understanding how that particular client wants to work. 
You know, what's the rhythm? What's the cadence to the relationship? You know? Hey, but a lot of CMOs come in and one of the first things they do or one of the first big decisions they make is they they shoot an agency. True. You know. Yeah. It, tell me why why do they do that in your mind? And then follow on to that. Does that usually work out or not? Um and you know, if you want to have any examples in here, you can feel free to. Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've been on both sides of that stick. I've, I've benefited from that dynamic where a new CMO comes in that that I happen to know and it's worked out well. And I've also been hurt by that um, from somebody coming in and arbitrarily. Look, that is a client's prerogative. They can do what they want to do. But what I would say is, is that it puts the the onus on the agency. The agency's got to prove its metal. The agency has to prove. It's on the agency to put their best foot forward on day one, fast, to put runs on the board to say, to you know, to create reason for why that client needs to stick with the agency. Is the world fair every day of the year? No, it's not. That's just the world, though. So rather than sit here and talk about all the times that things haven't worked out the way I've wanted to, it, you know, it's just, it's on the agencies, even with a brand new client that might have you know, the, the, the prerogative to move the business within a month, you just got to do the best you can to do, to, to put the runs on the board and show proof positive as to why this client should be working with you and the agency that you represent. But, but I'm just going to go out and say my, I have never cut a creative agency when I've come in ever, because I think it sends the wrong signal to the company. It, it sends a signal that marketing is going to solve all the problems. And also that you're ready to fix whatever business problem is there through the creative. And then the other thing is that's that's usually a nine or 12 month decision from when it actually hits the market. So that's a bad decision in most cases. You know, what, and, and good on you for always, and in my experience with you, you've always been that way, which is terrific. Um, because good reason have, I'm having you on the podcast, Elasdy. The, uh, okay. <laughs> so there we go. But, but I appreciate that. But I will tell you this, and I've been in this situation when a new client comes in, and you just know that client wants to make a change and the dynamic is sort of like off kilter right out of the gate. Like you feel like you're being set up at every turn. Like there's nothing worse than being in a relationship that drags on like that because it's like towing an anchor behind you. You know, you're never going to be able to win. Ultimately your people suffer. So yeah, no one I, wants to work on that account know, because they know, like, they know I'm, I'm going to wind up letting you guys know in five months, but let's make the best. Like I'd rather have that then like, you know, oh, well, you might be able to keep it like if you do X, Y and Z. But wink, wink, I really kind of know that it's not going to work out at the end of the day. There's nothing worse than a long drawn out. Maybe what you want is a quick yes or a quick no. The long drawn out maybes, whether it be about an agency client relationship or even approving a campaign, they're killer for an agency. How, how long is a quick no? A quick no could be like in an you know reviewing the work and reviewing the uh, strategy and saying no, it's not going to work. Like you're talking weeks, not yeah. months or yeah, anything. Absolutely, I'd rather have that than like a long drawn out maybe. Okay, so in in addition to uh, everybody that you know the the relationship thing you talked where you want to sit down with the new CMO and have a have a chat with them or or whatever it is. What do you wish like? every head of marketing when they step into managing the agency role would do in addition to you know breaking bread and having a discussion about what's going on what do you wish they would do with the agency or with their business that you would tell them to do that's a great question i think and this is going to sound 
maybe counterintuitive, but to me, it, a lot of this stuff comes back to time. You know, if a new CMO, can, I mean, I, no one has time, right? But we can all make time if we really want to prioritize. So if a new CMO can make the time to get with the agency to understand, you know, so the agency can understand, you know, what the desires, what the objectives are of that particular client and their organization are all about, that's really, really important. And, and that will set in motion a cadence of much more frequent, more informal um, interplays and interactions with the agency and the client than the traditional sense of like going three months down the rabbit hole, emerging, sanding, dusting, getting it perfect, all to arrive at the altar to be told, no, you got it completely wrong. Had you just checked in three weeks ago or three months ago, we could have avoided this whole thing. When there's that level of trust and understanding, which is really established right out of the gate, you have a lot more freedom to be yourself, to say what you really want to say, which is what clients deserve. They're paying and is there an example you can give us? Can you give us a can you give us a historical example of really good behavior? Yeah, like I mean, I can I can think of a variety of clients that I've worked with throughout my careers where there's been that level of understanding. No one has any time. The world is really, really complex, but clients that encourage, you know, agencies to not be maliciously obedient, you know, any agency can smile and be like, yeah, you're hundred percent right. But it takes a great relationship, a great culture and a sense of trust for an agency to be like, you know what? I think, I think you got it wrong. And here's a different point of view for you to consider, you know, that is scary for some people and for some agencies. But in several instances, um, I can remember where there was an environment where the agency and the client had such a level of trust where you could call BS on a client and you'd be patted on the back, not shown to the door. It's kind of a unique um, it's, 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 it's a unique environment, but it's definitely a differentiator between the great relationships and the less great ones. I can remember a relationship where we screwed up. So I screwed up so badly because you can, you can, you can tell us about this. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, I was younger in my career and we were overspending something and it was, and it was like to, to such a great extent that I assumed I chose to assume that the clients were just going to green light it. And I took a bit of a shortcut and I assumed that these overages at the end of the day were going to be fine. And they absolutely were not at the end of the day. So a lot of these things come down to a lack of communication, a lack of frequent communication and a lack of trust. But I remember where I made some assumptions and I got it completely and totally wrong. But despite my mistake, the client had my back at the end of the day. And that was pretty amazing in my mind. I don't know if I'd be here on this podcast talking to you if that hadn't gone that way, you know? Got it. Thank you. So you've had to manage all the complexity that goes with a lot of big company marketing budgets. And there's a lot of politics in there. A lot of times different yeah. levels make There is politics. Choices. That's why I'm being hesitant about revealing actual clients. I know. You have, I'm, I'm, you have been unbelievably discreet, which is very, very concerning to me. Um, so, so, you know, tell us some tools of the trade you use to manage all of these things, you know, cause there's, there's almost always some kind of tension between the business, maybe in the marketing department or the CEO and the CMO or the CMO of the agency. There's all kinds of people that have opinions on the marketing plan or the go to market business. Tell our agency listeners some of the tools of the trade you use to manage all that. Well, you know, some of the stuff is the rigor of the operational construct 
but I'll actually tackle that second because I think some of the stuff that unfairly gets labeled the fluffy stuff and the soft stuff is the most important stuff. What do I mean by that? I think one of the most important criteria for success where you can get the best out of your agency team is by helping that team, that group of individuals understand that what they're doing on your behalf, it really, really, really matters. It really matters at the end of the day. One of the greatest, I think, you know, myths, it's an urban myth in our industry, is that there's a correlation between budget and extra effort. Not true. I've seen people kill themselves, not literally, but literally work 24-7 to solve really tough problems for which there is very little reward, all for very small budget clients, as long as they feel a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, and the idea that what they're doing in the end of the day, it really matters. Because in today's day and age, that is the currency that gets people to show up at work, to go the extra mile, and to hang their hat in an agency environment where they have a plethora of different choices that are out there. You know, it's 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 an employee's world these days, you know, and not an employer's world, it's an employee's world. And we have to recognize that. But making sure that the people that are working on your business understand that higher meaning, you know, what the purpose is behind, and, and, and we spent a lot of time talking about that and aligning the teams back at BBDO and at OMD behind the personalities and the wants, needs, and desires of the individuals working on a particular piece of business and the purpose on that business in the first place. And today, you can find purpose in so much. CPG companies, you know, have, a, most of them have a deep sense of purpose and a set of values that they're very quick to be able to tell you what they are. If a company doesn't have that literally tattooed to the hearts and minds uh, of, of, of their employees and their agency partners, well, then that's just a lost opportunity. So that's one of the things that I really look to. I think frequent, less formal feedback is another really um, important variable to have in the mix. I mentioned having a, um, a quick no is sometimes better than a long drawn out maybe. I think another dynamic is sometimes you wind up in the boardroom or in the decision-making room. It could be a Zoom call, a Teams call, or it could be a physical room. And I think one of the more frustrating things that literally is another sort of like, it's a, it just sort of sucks the air out of the room, is when it's not clear who ultimately the decision is coming from. It's very hard to create work that is going to be agreed upon by a committee of different people. And, and what, percent of companies, what, what percent of companies, I, I always say democracy is bad for brands. Uh, because if you have a lot of voters, you stand yeah. on all the edges of any kind of good go-to-market business. What percent of companies have a lot of voters? A lot of them do, and you know, a lot of them do. But th but that's not to say that the voters don't matter. Everyone's opinion counts for something. But the best relationships are those where the client can help organize multiple opinions into an opinion that gets fed to the agency, as opposed to the agency trying to figure out kind of what the consensus is amongst a variety of different opinions. That's not really the agency's strongest suit. We're not best at trying to appeal to everybody equally. We're best at letting the client prioritize the points of view into a clear point of view. That is the only way that we can react and act quickly. And speed is the other variable. What's changed, you know, night and day compared to where we were 20 years ago is that speed 
is it's just it it is an absolute like it, it's an absolute like you can't ignore it. Everybody needs to make better decisions faster. It was our mantra at OMD, um, and 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 it was true every single experience. Like speed, the faster we can help arrive, we can help the team arrive at the right decisions, which is only enabled by the speed at which the clients can come to the decisions. Is really the maker breaker of success behind campaigns and how fast we get them out the door. And how do you manage, Ozzy, when you you've got like the marketing department is making a choice, but then another C in the in the executive suite can actually override that choice after uh, that is made because that that to me is one of the harder situations, you know, for the agency. Tell me, tell me what are tricks of the trade for that one? You know what? I, that's a great question, Mike. And I don't have the silver bullet answer. You kind of got to do both. The 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 scenario that you're laying out is actually an important scenario because, you know, if the CMO is doing her or his job, they will have already covered off the C-suite because they're part of the C-suite. To right. be or they to, or they have decision rights where yeah they're they're but not want, they're not putting you, this up for voting. Precisely, but. But really, as an agency, you want the C-suite to endorse, minimally endorse the strategy and the work, because I can't tell you how many times a CMO has gone off on a limb and done something that they think they have buy-off on. But if it's not embraced by the CEO of the company and the senior leaders, then that message, frankly, there's a bigger risk there, which is that message is yeah. going to fall flat because it's it, it's not behaved on the right way within the culture of the company. And you'll see that happen all the time. You see it in greenwashing. You see it in other messaging that's out there. Again, if the company isn't walking to the right beat, then, then you know, according to the message you're putting out there, then the whole, like, the, then the whole trust breaks down, like, in a New York minute. You can't have that. So while sometimes clunky and sometimes you can kind of split hairs in terms of, like, is that totally consistent with the CEO and the CMO? Sometimes not, but it's okay. We do the best we can. I'd rather have that you know dynamic than anything else. What you don't want is the CMO going off, you know, without really making sure there's full buy-in from the from the organization. That's what you want to avoid. Got it. So you can tell CMOs to stop doing one thing. Yes, it's your your little platform now to tell all the CMOs that are listening. Stop doing this one thing. What would it be? I don't know. Posting on their social channels. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Taking pictures with celebrities. I, I don't know. Wait, I mean, Dad, come on. You got to have more than that. <laughs> I think, no, I do. I, I think, hmm, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I think continuing to embrace projects that transcend you know, kind of the uh, the the moment. You know, we need to make every moment matter. But you know, there's a lot of power in brands, and I believe there's a lot of power in advertising. And I think that you know, we face a lot of challenges in today's world. But I would look for clients to stretch and to elevate and transcend, and look to try and do some societal good in addition to doing some good on behalf of the business they're in, because they're not mutually distinct. Usually, they can be a force multiplier, especially when they work together. And I, I, I hear you saying here, if I'm parsing the words right, like have a big vision and don't just do tactics and make yeah. sure you are doing something that is bigger than today's work. Is, is that a fair consolidation of that? 
110%. You said it 10 times better than I said. And what I would just say as a capper is like, anybody can be transactional. You know, that's price of entry, but you really want to strive to be trans transformational. Okay. You know, we're sitting in this time of potential recession, or we may be in one who knows a little bit of inflation. There's a lot of pressure on marketers to turn back money. Some of that goes to agency fees. Tell us what should marketers be thinking about as they are negotiating with their companies and the agencies on on fees and spend. I would I would say don't just look at the dollars and cents. Look at the overall value of the relationship. So it's not just in terms of the pricing, but you want to have usually an incentive structure rooted in the similar values and what the outcomes are. Make sure there's you know consensus as to what those outcomes look like. But definitely strive to put some degree of skin in the game, not all of it, but some skin in the game. So there's that shared sense of accountability for sure. Um, but I would start there. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, funniest story or best war story that you can share publicly? Oh my gosh, that's a good one. Um, oh my gosh. So I won't talk about the time I pulled my Amex card out with our Visa client. I won't talk about that occasion. <laughs> no, talk never about, talk about that. I can tell you all the horror stories that somehow. Okay, uh, tell us one. Oh, man. Um, well, <laughs> there was one. We were. I can't. I can't do it. I'm not going to say I can't do it. Because, you know, inevitably, inevitably, the best stories involve celebrities or personalities and late nights and people storming off sets and late night peace treaties that were arrived at to get people to come onto the set or, you know, whatever. Usually the best you're, stories. You're, you're taunting us, Ozzy. You're taunting us with this. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I'll right. take this. So there's a Netflix special, right? There's a Netflix special out there. It's Pepsi, Where's My Jet? There we I'm not go. revealing any kind of inner secret. No, it's because a, that's a, that's a documentary, it. yeah. In the context of that whole thing, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really in that because, you know, the folks that they featured have long since left, and I'm a little bit more recently left, so I don't want to do anything crazy. But you'll see me in some of the photographs in the background. But you'll see they make, in the beginning of the four-episode thing, Great fanfare about the uh, they they keep replaying the 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 final line of the commercial over and over again, and the kid gets out of the jet. The top pops up and he gets out and he looks at the camera. And he says, "Sure beats the bus." <laughs> so, that was my line. We were on the set. We were like, "We need an ending." Who you know? What would this kid say? And I was like, "I don't know what I don't know what he'd say, but I'll tell you what I'd say." They were like, "What?" I say like, "Sure beats the bus." They were like, "That's it. That's the line. Sure beats the bus. We'll have it anyway." That line came out of my mouth and now it's in a Netflix special that apparently people are watching about, you know, Pepsi and a Harrier jump jet and a program called Pepsi stuff. That, 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 ever I, I, it's a great thing. I, you know, you made me work hard for that story, but it was worth it. So last thank, question. I, thank you. That's high. Praise. That's <laughs> high praise. Clearly we didn't spend a lot of time prepping on the questions. No, so, no. Uh, so before we close last piece, last chance here, what's, Practical advice for our listeners, either at agencies or in marketing, that you would give that we haven't talked about so far? Swing for the fences. You know what I mean? It's like I seem I seem it's to me. It seems like not to. First of all, I can't stand sports analogies. Now I will use a sports analogy. Um, so, you know, we're in a it just seems like we're in a period of time where people are satisfied with a lot of singles and doubles. You know, the home runs, the grand slams are few and far between. I think we've got to stand up again, dust ourselves off and rally again around the power of creativity. 
I think that's been a little bit blurred and a little bit muddied over the last couple of years. Nothing is an economic multiplier quite like the power of a really amazing idea. And those ideas are more often than not rooted in really, really smart strategies. This leads to the best work, best work that is recognized in the beauty contest, but also the work that is recognized as the most effective work at the end of the day. And guess what? Oftentimes, the work that is most recognized in the beauty contests are also the pieces of work that are recognized for being the most effective in the marketplace. All right. I well, rest my case. So all right. And that's uh, what only I three or four sports analogies. That was more good. rallying around the power of creativity. There's a lot of noise out there, and it's a very cluttered world in which we live. It's a complex world in which we live. We have to not dumb it down, but we've got to strive for simplicity. We've got to give consumers reason to believe, and that comes back to decomplexifying the power of the creative idea and a sense of purpose. Those are the themes that I choose to come back on. That's what gets me up in the morning. It's my blood pumping. I'm overly caffeinated to begin with, but it's what gets me fired up, man. It's what gets me fired up. All right. Well, thank you, Ozzy. And thanks for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for our upcoming shows, which include, is the obsession with measurement destroying marketing? Is the CMO job headed for extinction? What it's really like in the B2B startup world for marketers. And the recent show we just, uh, the other show, uh, How Private Equity Really Thinks About Marketing. Thanks, Ozzy. And hey, all you marketers, stay safe out there. This is Mike Linton at CMO Confidential signing off. Great careers are forged out of great relationships. Your success, whatever your field, relies and thrives on the support and insights of others. I'm Andy Lapata, an author and speaker on the power of professional relationships. In the Connected Leadership podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing people from around the world to understand the relationships that have made a difference on their journey and how their insights can help you. From Nobel Prize winners to Olympians, from NASA astronauts to peace campaigners, my guests have shared some captivating moments from their lives and careers. Combined with experts from leading universities, cutting-edge authors and giants of business, the Connected Leadership Podcast aims to inspire, educate and entertain. Hi, my name is Sarah and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.